Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Wow, eh? Haven't we got an awesome God? And haven't I got an awesome wife? Amen. Isn't that exciting, eh? <laughs> I prayed for her before the service that she'd have the anointing of awesome on her as she shared, and she certainly did, but uh, she didn't need that prayer. God's with her. Hey, she is a great woman of God, and we're gonna, I'm going to share God's Word with you, and let me just encourage you tonight. Uh, later on, we're going to pray, and, and I know for many of you tonight, Feast Story touched your heart, and we'll pray. I know God wants to do some great things. I know He wants to set people free tonight and break chains and, and just release people in different ways, and, and and uh, I know because Fia is such a woman, and a woman of prayer, when she prays, God touches hearts and lives too. And she's quite sharp with the prophetic. So look out if you get lined up with her. It's all good. Amen. But we've all got a story, haven't we? And some of our stories are pretty hard. Some of our stories are tough journeys. And some of us look at our lives and say, why did this happen to me? Why did I go through this? Or why am I going through this? Or why am I sick? Or why am I struggling? Why is life the way that life is? Why is this happening in my family? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to innocent and defenseless people? Excuse me. I'm glad you asked that question because I want to share the Word of God with you tonight. And uh, in fact, I want to share from John chapter 9. And John chapter 9, I was reading it some time ago and it just kind of jumped out of the page at me and grab me because the thing about this it's a it's one miracle but it takes a whole chapter of the New Testament it's an incredible story and uh, so let me share it with you and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it to a bit for you tonight but John chapter 9 verse 1 I'm gonna kind of read a lot of it please excuse me for doing that but it's the word of God so it's awesome anyway so John chapter 9 verse 1 as he went along he saw a man Blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground and with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Then the neighbours and the people who saw him all asked, hey, what happened and everything. And, and they end up going down to verse 13. They brought him to the Pharisees, or they brought them to the Pharisees, a man who had been Blind. Now, on the day which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He told them, verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God. How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned to the man, to the, again to the blind man, What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He's a prophet. They still didn't believe him. There's all sorts of argument going on. They pull the man's parents in, interrogate the man's parents. And then in verse 24, a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind. Now I see. Hallelujah. 
And so they asked him, how did it happen and all that? He says, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They got all ticked off and threw insults at him and everything and said they don't know where he's from. He says in verse 30, the, the man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Awesome. Father, I want to thank you for your word. <laughs> you're amazing, God. And I thank you. Tonight, as I share your word, you're going to just touch hearts and lives. Father, you're going to encourage people. Lord, would you be blessed and healed and uh, just set on fire for you. Lord, I, I thank you that every one of us, no matter what our journey has been, you wrap it up in your amazing grace and you make us awesome because you are awesome and you've got great plans. So, Father, bless us tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. So there's a few things tonight that from this portion of Scripture I really want you to know. And the first thing that you really need to know is this. Where does sickness come from? Where does all the bad stuff come from? You see, it's important to understand the religious mindset in which this question was asked, that sickness was attributed to individual sin. In other words, if you were sick, it was God judging you, it was God punishing you, hence the Pharisees said to the man born blind, you were steeped in sin at birth, which is quite a stupid thing to say, really. You were really, really bad when you were born. But this is not what the Bible really teaches us. And it actually steers us away from making this connection of our sin being God's punishment over our lives. But sadly today, there's too many people who think that. There's even religions and denominations or demonations, you could call them, that have this kind of image of God up in the sky with a big sick stick. And He just wants to beat you with this sick stick when you do things that are wrong. He wants to spoil our fun and, and, and we, if we don't conform to the rules, that kind of attitude. I was talking this morning about God opening up Brazil and we've been going to Brazil and it's quite exciting what God's doing over there. But some of the church is just so steeped in legalism and tradition and, and it's boring and it's, and it's terrible and people can't wear, you know, women can't wear long pants or jewellery and things like that. And one of the churches even that we went to, you weren't allowed to play soccer. It's Brazil, for goodness sake. The World Cup. I mean, they're the best soccer players in the world. What are you talking about? And, and this pastor's conference that I preach at, this one, this, this conference I went to, I wasn't preaching this time. And I was sitting like two rows back in amongst a couple of hundred big shot pastors. I was like two rows behind the pulpit. And, uh, you know, there's about a thousand people in the building. They wouldn't let the girls into the meeting. They actually, and the girls and two pastors who didn't have suits on were not allowed into the building to come and sit up the back. So here I am, I've got this guy in front of me and he's talking about, you know, how serious you've got to be when you preach the Word of God. You can't muck around with the Word of God. You know, you can't joke around and all that sort of thing. It's very sobering. And he was all serious like this, right? And I'm sitting there because I was on the video screen all the time because it's on him and it's on me because I'm right beside him and I'm pulling faces at the girls at the back and... I mean, this guy, he was anointed with the oil of boredom. You know, it was, a, it was just, it was shocking. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is there is joy. And Jesus was anointed with the spirit of gladness more than all of his, his brethren, you know. And, and he gives us the joy as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
And and the presence of God in church should be one of the most joyous places on the whole planet. Amen. And we're allowed to have fun and and muck around and all that sort of stuff because I do it all the time and uh, it's good, right? But, uh, you know, this guy, man, he really... People were falling asleep up the back. People, these are pastors, and they were reading newspapers as the guy was. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> it's sad, isn't it? But uh, just people have got this image of God. I mean that he's he, he's just and you know boring and and all that stuff. But God is not like that. God doesn't want to punish you. He's not. He doesn't want to punish you. Get that out of your head if you got it. God loves you. He wants to save you from the punishment. Amen. He wants to heal you and help you. The main reason why we're sick, and you need to grasp this, the main reason why people are sick is because we live in a fallen and broken world. That's it. When Adam and Eve sinned, they gave dominion to the devil and his reign of terror began on the earth. And he started to torment humanity and he's kind of got in there and he's affected the DNA of mankind so that we are prone to sin and naturally susceptible to sickness and disease. And that's basically all that happens because we're human beings. That's it. We're in this fallen world. Amen. But having said that, you know, sickness can be a result of sin, but it's more a matter of us reaping the consequences of wrong choices. You know, it's not so much God punishing us, but we sometimes do the wrong thing and get ourselves in trouble. Like, Put it to you like this. You've got a child. You say to the child, don't touch the heater or you'll burn yourself. And you go out of the room. And what does the child do? Goes and touches the heater and gets burned. Did you burn the child? No, you didn't burn the child. The child burnt themselves because they didn't listen to what you said. All right. Now, God gives us his word, right? Why does he give us his word? To protect us, to give us a framework in which, we, in which we could live the most amazing, incredible, fruitful, fulfilled, abundant life we could possibly live. But if we choose to ignore that, then we sometimes make wrong decisions and get ourselves in trouble. Bad stuff happens as a result of that. We get sick even as a result of that. And in a lot of ways, we're actually responsible for our own health. And uh, a large percentage of people, and I'm, this is just from experience, I mean, I pray for lots of people all over the world, and a large percentage of people that I pray for are sick simply because they haven't looked after their bodies. They eat too much, or they eat too much bad food, or they, they exercise, don't exercise, or they abuse themselves too much exercise, or whatever it might be, but a lot of sickness is a result of that sort of stuff. Also, there's a lot of soul-related issues. And, you know, we're not necessarily responsible for what happens to us, particularly things that happen in our childhood, bad stuff that happens, and the damage that gets done there. But how we respond to that is very, very important. And and it's really important not to carry unforgiveness and bitterness in our life because that can lead to all sorts of sicknesses, developing cancers and arthritis, and all these sort of things begin manifesting in people's bodies. You've probably heard of the term dealt with. And they could be hurt or whatever. It could be worry, anxiety, not believing what God's Word says, where it just says, Look, don't be anxious for anything. Just give it all to me and I'll take care of it and I'll give you peace. But instead we like choose to worry. And as we worry, it just starts manifesting. We get all sorts of diseases, heart diseases and stresses and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, in Australia, we've, we've got such a high percentage of people struggling with depression and anxiety. Anxiety is just recently topped Depression is the number one mental illness in Australia. And so many people, the Bible says in the last days, people's hearts will fail them with fear. And with all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world around about us, people are getting really, really troubled by what's going on. And 
But it's really awesome just to see people have burdens lifted off their shoulders. I love praying for people with these kind of issues. And in Brazil, we were just seeing people, you, their countenance just shifted immediately. I mean, you just kind of lifted some of these burdens off their shoulders that they were oppressed by, even in their religious sort of situation. But having said all that, it's important to understand sickness does not come from God. Okay? So never say, God gave me this sickness or whatever it is. God is good all of the time. He only ever does good. He always does good. It's the thief who comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. If you've got a sickness or a disease, it's come from Him. It's from the roots that He's put into humanity. Amen? So we can steer away from pointing our finger to somebody if they're sick or pointing our finger at ourselves if we're sick. We can point our finger at McDonald's. That's okay. But... Uh, and at the devil, all right? You can point the finger at the devil, but don't point at people if they're sick and be judgmental and don't come under condemnation yourself if you're sick. God is knocking you. You might have made a wrong choice, but you can make right choices and, and get yourself back. And the thing is as well, when we come into a relationship with God, we position ourselves to receive all the blessings that he has available to his children. And we can receive the children's bread. By faith, we can reach out and, and receive. And, and you know, we, we also position ourselves in such a place that we're less likely to have the occurrence of sickness. Amen? While we're walking right under God's guidelines and His Word. Amen? So number two, the second thing you really need to know is why you are sick. Know why you are sick. It's a funny thing to say, isn't it? Who sinned, him or his parents, that he was born blind? Bit of a silly question, really. How much sin can somebody do before they're born? I mean, a fetus. You are a naughty little fetus. I mean, come on. Is sucking your thumb kind of up there with adultery and murder and all that? Maybe they're really pointing the finger at the parents. But Jesus, the Bible says, neither, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed, revealed, and made manifest in Him. This is the bit that grabbed me. This is the bit I want to grab you tonight. This is just so awesome. I'll say it again. Neither said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed, revealed, and made manifest in Him. Now, when I first read this, and you might think this, it appears that God somehow caused this man to be born blind so that later on He can come back and just kind of heal the man of the thing that he caused in the first place and kind of go, hee hee, see, I can heal people, but, you know, I made him sick. In the f but this is just absolutely wrong. God would not sentence someone to a life of sickness and poverty just in order to come along and get some kind of a, a glory out of it, you know. He doesn't fix up a problem that he caused in the first place. God doesn't cause everything, especially evil. But God does cause everything to work together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. Romans 8.28, in one way it's written, it says, In all things God works for our good. So if our lives are surrendered to God, he, he, whatever we've been through, He gives incredible meaning and reason to the tragedies of life. Whatever suffering you might have had. 
Maybe it's been abuse. Maybe it's been some loss. Maybe it's been some soul-crushing hurts. Or maybe it's some sickness. You might still be going through these things. But the reality is when we give our life to God and He wraps it up in His grace, He turns it all around and He gives some positive ongoing purpose out of the pain that we've experienced in our life. You've probably heard of Joyce Meyer. One of the most sought-after known preachers on the planet today. She didn't have a good start to life. Raped over 200 times by her own father. I mean, that's a pretty tragic beginning right there. And something that you could imagine carrying a lot of pain. And even when she became a Christian, it was a journey. As it is, as my wife shared her journey. When you've been through stuff, it's a journey of healing. But God has a plan. Not that that happened in the first place, but to take that and wrap it up in His grace and make something incredibly beautiful out of the mess. And, and you know, Joyce Meyer came to that point in sharing her testimony where she was able to say, I'm glad this happened. Exactly. Looking back on your life, being raped 200 times and saying, I'm glad that happened. It's like, how can you say that? Except she went on to say, because what the devil meant for, for evil, God has meant for good, or God has turned for good. Amen. And, and, and that's actually borrowed from the Scripture where Joseph, who was, he was a good young guy. Joseph was in, you know the story of Joseph. If you don't, Joseph was brought up in a house with a number of brothers, but he was a favoured son by his father. And so his brothers hated them. They were jealous, and then they plotted to kill him. And they, one day when he went out to the fields to look at them when they were looking after the sheep, they ended up grabbing him. They were going to kill him. But instead, they threw him into a hole in the ground and then they sold him into slavery. He went into Egypt. He served as a slave in Potiphar's house. While he was a slave, Potiphar's house prospered. But Potiphar's wife got the hots for him, thought he was a bit of an all right, tried to crack on to him. He did the bolt. She got offended. And so she screamed out and falsely accused him. And he ended up getting thrown in prison for something he never did. And he spent years in prison. Things just seemed to go from bad to worse for Joseph, right? But God has a plan. Now, God had put a dream in his heart and he's going through all this sort of stuff. Even there in prison, he interprets the dreams of a couple of people. The butler I was talking about this morning, Boutillier. And, uh, and they are raised up. One of them's killed. The other one's raised up. Joseph seems to be forgotten until Pharaoh has a dream. And then Joseph is brought out of prison, interprets the dream, raised up into a royal position, put in second in command of the entire nation of Egypt. It's an incredible story. And his brothers come from Canaan because Canaan's suffering through, through, uh, through um, famine. Is that the word? Famine. And, uh, you know, so because Joseph had interpreted Pharaoh's dream, which was basically seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine, and so he put him in charge and he sort of organized Egypt to have all of these goodies and everything, all the grain. And so when his family came to Egypt, Joseph kind of held his identity back for a while, but eventually when he revealed his identity to, to his brothers, he said to them, hey, just chill out, guys. It's all good. What you meant for evil, God has meant for good. Amen. God has turned it out for good. God, look, it's the saving of many lives. And that's just an incredible thing. God means it for good. Whatever has happened in your life, God means it for good for the saving of many lives. Wow. 
I love that. It's awesome. Uh, my mum, well, my dad, first of all, prayed for a Christian wife. He was a Christian, good guy, went off to war just after they got married, sort of got a bit messed around by things that he'd never really been offended by some stuff and came back from war, shook him a little bit. He went into business. He was a good man. He was a Christian and he was generous and he was trusting, but people took advantage of his generosity and his leniency and people started ripping him off. He had a partner rip him off. He had clients rip him off and he started building up walls. He walked away from God, started getting into drinking and gambling and he spent 50 years backslidden. And my dad used to stop off at the, at the drinking men's club on the way home and exercise his elbow and all that and come home quite verbal, as you can understand. And uh, so it was a bit of a challenge when I was a teenager. I didn't have it all rosy. Uh, even though my mum was full on for God, my dad was full on away from God. And, uh, but my mum was believing for his salvation and I'd had a prophetic word he'd be saved and all that. And, and so we were just believing that God was going to touch my dad's life somehow. And then my mum had a stroke. She nearly died. It was a supernatural healing that she had. And then she had uh, heart failure, kidney failure. She nearly died from that. It was like she was flowing, had open heart surgery. It was a failure. She nearly, they just thought it's all too late. You can't do anything. And we prayed and God, so I'm cutting a long story short here, but she bounced and, uh, but through all this, she couldn't get herself to church. And so my dad sort of thought, oh, I better take you to church. And, uh, you know, I won't go to that rowdy church, but we'll go to another one that you know, my auntie went to. And my dad just hooked in and he loved it. And it kind of became his family. And uh, so he reconnected with God. And about 18 months later, he had an abdominal aorta aneurysm and went to be with, with the Lord. And, uh, you know, I was in my middle of broken arm, hurt her leg, and I was praying for her. And after I finished praying, my mum says, let me pray. And she said, God, thank you that I had a stroke. Thank you that I had a heart attack. I thank you because of that, my husband's now with you in heaven. I thought, you go through all this rubbish in your life and you go, thank you, Lord, that it happened because of the good result that came out of it. God didn't cause it to happen, but God caused good to come out of it. And that's what he does in our lives, whatever the situation might be. Amen. You know, the thing that struck me the most about this verse when I was reading it is that it says that the works of God, not just a work, but that the works of God, plural, may be manifest in him. And though the Greek word used here is the word ergon, which may mean an act or a work or a thing done, it can also mean like a business, an occupation, employment, or an enterprise into which something goes on, someone goes on to do. Or we could say the calling that somebody has over their life. And the fact that it's translated here and in numerous other places in the Bible of the man's sight happening. But having received a miracle from the Lord, then it, go, it suggests that God will continue to work in him and work through him. Amen? And that's exactly what happened. See, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do which God prepared in advance for us to do. In New Living Translation, it puts it this way, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things He planned for us long ago. Wow, this is amazing. Because God has a plan for each one of us. 
and, and our life goes along on a journey and the devil on that journey tries to, but still somehow God it all into the plan. It's not God's doing. God didn't sit back and allow all that. But, you know, we've got this kind of, it's God's fault because he allowed, that's just rubbish to think like that. It just happened because we're in a fallen world, right? But God in his sovereignty works it out into an incredible plan. You've probably heard of a guy by the name of Vic, of Nick Vujicic. A little bit of a tongue tire, that one. But, uh, you know, the guy born with no arms and legs. A little bit of a struggle growing up like that, as you can imagine. And he had to deal with some issues, and, but came to that point of accepting the way that he was. But God took his life. Hey, God has just raised this young man having such a positive disposition that God has raised him up and having faith in the Lord. And, and God has used him to speak face to face to over 6 million people around the world and on social media or, or what do you call, is it social media? Just stuff, you know computers and all that, TV, and over 400 million people have heard his story. That's incredible, eh? And, and it's like the devil, I believe, I mean, the, the, the fact that he's got no arms and legs is a result of the fall of man. But God looked at him, born with no arms and legs, and says, well, I can do something with this young man. You know, and, and not only that, he says, he's my masterpiece, and I'm going to be glorified through his life. Amen. There's another guy you may not have heard of, but back in the days when I was doing youth ministry, he came over and I had the privilege of taking him into a whole lot of high schools around Australia. So I was doing a lot of youth, youth ministry in schools, but his name's Dave Reaver. Dave Reaver, uh, as a young man, married his childhood sweetheart. And uh, he had a real heart for God. You know, he was quite passionate, a bit of an evangelist at heart. And he got drafted to Vietnam, so he went off to war. And he was about 20, 22 years of age in Vietnam, and he's on a, on a patrol boat going up the, I can't remember, I think it's the Viet Cong River or something like that, and they're cruising up there, and they come across a jungle portion that looks a bit sus. So he thinks, let's clear the bush. We'll biff a, a white phosphorus hand grenade into the bush because it burns everything. It doesn't just blow up. It just sets everything on fire. And so he picked up this white phosphorus hand grenade and is about to chuck it into the bush. He's not quite sure whether it malfunctioned or a sniper shot. It went off in his hand right beside his head and blew his face off. Blew at least half his face. Blew it straight off. Pfft, gone. His eye, one eye blind, one ear gone completely. Blew this hand to sm sm uh, smithereens. That thumb got blown right off, but he lost 25 kilograms of flesh. That's how much got blown off him. His chest was blown off. He said he could look down. He looked down. He still could see our one eye. He looked down, and he could see his own heart beating in his chest. He lost 40% of his skin. He was on fire. He jumped down into the water. Now, having been a Christian, having been quite full on for God, he was, you know, not doing what all the other soldiers were doing. And they kind of called him a bit of a holy Joe, but he just kept his testimony. And when he fell, jumped down into the water to put himself out, he shouted out to God. He said, God, I still believe in you. And one of his, one of his soldier mates fell on his knees on the boat and gave his life to Jesus. Pretty powerful, eh? So he's, he got pretty messed up went through lots and lots of surgery and uh he's not a pretty sight uh you know quite a scarred face and all that sort of thing he's got a hairpiece and plastic ear in fact he's a very funny man 
you know, he's telling his stories. I play the piano by ear, takes his ear off and plays the piano with it. So. But he talked to these students and, and, and he had this amazing way of connecting. He says, you know, some of you have got more scars on the inside than I've got on the outside. And, and through his humour, he was just able to dismantle them and just, and, and just share the love of God with them. It was just an incredible time we had, you know. And I'll never forget uh, at the end and... I was chatting with him and a couple other people. And this young girl, probably 12 years of age, she came up and, and she, you know, it was one of those moments where you kind of sensed it was more than just, hello. She kind of stood there and, and tears just started running down her cheek. And we all kind of felt it. You know, it's one of those moments where, I still feel her. We all just got kind of emotional as this girl just stood there. And we're like, hmm. And she said, I don't know what to say. And she's looking at this guy who looked like some kind of a monster. She said, you're the most beautiful man I've ever seen. She said, the devil thought he'd destroy him. The devil thought he'd make a mess of this guy. But God goes, he's my masterpiece. I'm going to touch millions of lives. He's spoken to over six million people and led so many people to Jesus, encouraged Vietnam vets and all sorts of other people. And so no matter what you've been through, God's got a plan. Amen. So we need to, number three, know what to do next. It's amazing this story because Jesus gets asked questions sometimes and he doesn't just stop with the answer. He keeps on going, kind of, saying other stuff, and here he goes. It's like having answers, and he goes on to say, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work while I'm in the world. I am the light of the world. Guess what? He's no longer in the world. So what happened to the light of the world? Glad you asked that one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. You, this is what Jesus said to us. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glory who is in heaven. Amen. Yeah, when we take our lives, no matter what we've been through, and we just go, God, I'm now part of the answer. I'm not part of the problem. You know, here I give my life and I just want to do whatever you want me to do. And we get out and then we start helping people and loving on people. And, and people just look at that and they go, wow, you know, what a, what a good God these people have got. You know, when Jesus shows his love through us and it impacts the world around about us and they start glorifying him and they start turning to him. In this passage, it doesn't tell us, or it does tell us that this man used to sit and beg every day. But uh, we can only assume that he was begging that day when Jesus and the disciples came along. It doesn't say that he asked Jesus to heal him or anything like that. It just basically was the disciples that said, well, you know, this guy, look, who sinned was it him or his parents? And they kind of stand in there, have a conversation about this guy who's sitting talking about me. But no one's talking to me here. But Jesus sort of takes the initiative, gives him value, realizes, hey, this guy is more than just a, a blind man sitting there. He's got purpose. He, he's loved, and I love him. And, and so Jesus took the initiative 
and seizes the opportunity. Now, there's more to this whole story than just this guy getting healed. Now, this guy getting healed set Jesus apart from everybody else. Like you hear even him testify to the Pharisees, you've never heard of a man being born blind. I mean, Jesus healing a man born blind set Jesus apart. It brought incredible glory to Jesus. And, and it also brought an, an amazing sense of reason for this man being born blind. Just the very fact that God did heal him, if you can kind of get your head around that. You know, so it's, it's amazing that uh, his life glorified God just through the healing that did happen, though God didn't make that happen, as I said before. But the reality is this. Jesus sealed the op- seized the opportunity because there was more to this miracle than mud the eye. Than, than meets the eye. Uh, <laughs> mud the eye. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And then in brackets there in the Bible, it says Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. It's like, what? In the Bible, there's so many incredible words used. Place names, people's names, and all that. And it's with a meaning of names and meaning of life, right? Everything you read, it just has a whole lot more meaning, and, and it's just incredible. But here, on this one, it's almost like God's going, well, you're probably not going to read the Bible with place names and people's names and all that sort of stuff, and you're probably not going to have your concordance. And So I'm going to put this one in here for you because I really want you to get this one above all other ones. So he puts it in there, in brackets, Siloam means sent. So the guy went and washed and came home seen. What is this saying? It's saying this. Once we have had an encounter with Jesus, we are not just saved, we are not just healed, we are not just delivered, but we are sent. Amen. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He's sending every single one of us. We are commissioned by God to, to share the good news with the world around about us. We are saved to say heal. We are set free to say we are blessed to be a blessing. In Matthew 10, 7 to 8, Jesus said, Freely you have received, freely give. See, once this blind man has received his sight, he immediately begins to testify of his healing. First of all, it's to the people around about him that knew him. And then he spends the next 20 verses when him and his parents are being questioned by the Pharisees, who are like the the religious people, the highbrows, the the intellectuals, the unbelievers, the politicians. All these kind of people are interviewing this guy, asking and debating whether or not Jesus is from God. And instead of being intimidated, like his parents were intimidated because of fear of being thrown out of the synagogue, because of this man's experience, he intimidates them instead of them intimidating him. He intimidates them to the point of awkward embarrassment where all they can say is stupid waffle and kick him out of the place. It's awesome. See, the works of God that God had planned for him and for each one of us is to take our testimony and along with it, the message of the gospel to the world around about us. And you don't have to be a theologian to do that. You don't have to have been to Bible school. You just got to tell them what Jesus has done for you. And if he can do it for you, he can do it for them. And that's all the message you need. And that's all the message some other people need. Amen. So...
Number four, you just got to know what you have. You got to know what you have. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know anything. The only thing I know is I was blind, but now I see. All I know is I was sick, and now I was healed. All I know is I'm an addict, now I'm free. All I know is I was this, and now I'm that. Now, you probably, every single one of us in this room, at some stage in our life, and possibly for many of us, many times in our life, have sung the words of John Newton's amazing grace. Right? I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Now, we might not have been as nasty as John Newton. If you don't know who John Newton was or what John Newton did, John Newton was a slave trader. He was a man who actually captained a ship and and traded humans as a commodity. And in those trade ships, hundreds of people died coming from Africa across the the lands and across to England and to America. They just chucked the bodies overseas. They were living in squalor, horrible conditions, just commodity, just to sell, make some money. He was a nasty piece of work. But one day, out at sea, a storm came. John Newton cried out to God and had an encounter with God. Got saved. Awesome, eh? Goes back to England. He becomes the, the uh, a Church of England preacher, actually, a pastor of a church. And, and he wrote that amazing song, Amazing Grace. But you might not have had a life as terrible as his. Some of you look at your life and you feel that your life has been quite terrible. But whatever has happened to you, whether it's good or bad, your upbringing, from birth until our first encounter with Jesus Christ, every single one of us was spiritually blind and now we see. We have all been changed. Every single one of you in this room has been changed if you've had an encounter with Jesus. You have an experience. You have a physical healing, you have an emotional healing, you have a spiritual healing. And if you haven't yet, tonight you have an opportunity to begin that journey or to have that journey complete by surrendering your life to Jesus and allowing Him to work in you tonight. And the thing is this, you've got an experience and a man or a woman with an experience is never at the mercy of somebody with an argument. See, people out there cannot tell you what has happened in your life didn't happen. You can just sit there with a cheesy grin on your face and they can go, blah, 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 God's not real, blah, 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 this doesn't happen. And you just sit there, well, it happened for me and I know it's real because I had this encounter and I'm changed. Amen. And not only do we have this incredible experience, but God also gives us uh, the power to be able to share that. I mentioned this verse this morning in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. See, God empowers us so that we can take this message to the world. And, and it's not just our message. He gives us power to be able to demonstrate the reality. So what we have received, we can impart to others as well. Acts 3, 6, Peter had just been filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and he gets up and, he, and they walk along, come across this blind man. And he's like, well, I, I'm going to raise him up. Silver and gold I haven't got, mate. But what I have got, I give you. You just got to know what you have got. 
You just got to, and when you know what you have got, you can give what you've got. You can do with what you've got and God can take that and he can do something amazing with it. And he goes on to say, Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 12, anyone who has faith in me, the works that I do shall you do also. This We need to get a hold of this, Christians. The works that Jesus did shall we do also. It's not just about coming to church on Sunday and going, that was a nice sermon and going home and doing our jobs and coming back next week and going, that's a nice sermon. And it's not just that. It's us, every single one of us, realizing we are, our reason is to be His hands, to be His feet, is to take our story and to share our story with others around about us. Amen. Could I have some musos, please? Final, final thing. Final thing you really need to know. You need to know in whom you believe. Jesus heard that they'd thrown the blind man, or who was a blind man, out of the synagogue. When he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I might believe in him. Jesus said, Well, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Awesome. So the most important question I have for you tonight is do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in Jesus? See, Jesus loves you. God loves you. God's for you. He's not against you. All the stuff that happened in your life, God didn't cause that to happen. But he will cause it to work together for good. If you surrender your life to him, put your life in his hands, it's going to get wrapped up in his grace. Everything's going to work out for good. Amen? No matter where that sickness came from, and as I said, it's got its roots in the devil. God has got an amazing testimony. Just waiting for the world to hear through your life. Amen. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. And that's the word sozo. You know what that means? It means not just saved from your sin and saved from going to hell. It means healed, restored, delivered, made whole, kept safe and sound when you say yes to Jesus. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.